Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, post-match. Daniil Medvedev versus Yannick Sinner, ATP Finals 2023, semi-final. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video. Yannick Sinner has made it three wins in a row over Daniil Medvedev, all of them coming in the last few months. He wins this one, 6-1 in the third, and tomorrow he will play the biggest final of his career against either Novak Djokovic or Carlos Alcaraz. Really enjoyed this match, really did. Uh, maybe it wasn't as epic or dramatic as some of the Djokovic matches in the round-robin stage or even Alcaraz-Medvedev from yesterday, uh, but as someone who is interested in this rivalry and the tactics and the tug-of-war between the two players, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on in this match. Um, so let's start there. First six times they played, it all went Medvedev's way. It looked like a really bad matchup. Uh, for for various reasons, but to simplify it, it's just Sinner's pace, linear pace through the court, just doesn't really bother Daniil. He could be more consistent. He could uh, get errors out of out of Sinner. Uh, he served better than Sinner. He um, he won the first six matches. Last two have gone the way of Sinner. One of them I thought was very heavy on variety and net rushing and serve volleying and drop shotting. And then the, the second one was actually largely won by center from the back of the court, from the baseline. So he had beaten him two different ways, two times in a row. Now it's time for Medvedev to change his tactics, to do something different, something better to try to turn the tides. Uh, which is how Medvedev thinks. I remember asking him in Miami about his tactics against Alcaraz after he lost really badly at Indian Wells. And Daniil responded to that question and said, well, you know, he only really beat me once, so I'm not going to change my tactics yet. I'm going to go out there next time and do the same thing. And then maybe if he beats me again, uh, just like he, he did last time really badly, then I'll start to think about changing things. So Medvedev got to that point where it's okay. Let's go into the laboratory now with Jill Servara and think about what we're going to do. And uh, the answer in this match was pretty much just upping the aggression levels and trying to make Sinner defend a whole lot more. Uh, so nothing complex or groundbreaking, but clearly a change for Medvedev as he upped his court position to take more time away on a more regular basis, and he upped his ground stroke speeds his pace was way up. Uh, Hawkeye stats confirmed this at the start of the third set. Tennis Channel had this graphic. Um, 
on the forehand, he was up four miles per hour. On the backhand, he was up five miles per hour compared to his previous three round-robin matches at the ATP Finals, with the caveat and the context that even in the round-robin matches at the ATP Finals, as I've been saying in my analysis of Medvedev matches, he had been actually hitting really big in those matches, above his season average. So he was already above his season average, and here he comes in this match, and he blows it out of the water what he had even been doing at this tournament. Uh, the averages... I actually don't have it written down in my notes, so let me pull up my phone and tell you what the exact averages were. Uh, on the forehand, 82 miles per hour. That's as big as it gets. That's like Berrettini forehand averages, team, prime team forehand averages. And on the backhand, 74 miles per hour from Daniil Medvedev. So, what is the result of that change? How did that play out? We'll start there. There are trade-offs. In the first set, at 1-2, he was up 40-love, um, and he lost that 40-love point. From there, he made three plus-one unforced errors on the first ball, three unforced errors, and a double fault to lose that game and to be broken from up 40-love. That was the break that decided the opening set. And Medvedev is a player who most players, they never get that from Medvedev. Most Daniil Medvedev matches, not one time throughout the match, is he going to make three first ball unforced errors in a service game. That is not a part of Daniil's game. There are other players on tour where if I if they did that, I would say, yeah, okay, that's they do that sometimes. But Daniil is not one of those guys. That is a trade-off for his tactical adjustment. In the second set, we saw especially in the tie break, we saw the positive side of what Daniil was doing, where he got both of his mini breaks with highly aggressive baseline ground stroke patterns, where he was hitting hard, deep, taking the ball early, changing direction, being assertive, being aggressive, and that won him that second set tie break. And then in the third set, we did get another loose surface game where he made three baseline unforced errors and hit a double fault. Sounds very familiar from what happened in the first break of serve in the first set. Now, uh, Sinner would get a second break of serve in the third set. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And he wins the third set 6-1. So my big takeaway from this is, first of all, credit to Sinner for making a great player like Daniil Medvedev change. And also credit to Medvedev for changing. Like, that is, that is why I, I, I leave this match feeling very positive about what I just watched. Because I think Sinner showed a lot of really great things. And I think Medvedev has a lot to be proud of. Um, because, you know, we always criticize players. And I criticize Sinner after Rotterdam for this. And maybe to some extent Miami as well. But less so Miami because I thought his legs were, were in bad shape. Uh, find a new way to lose. Lose differently. Don't just lose the same way over and over again. That's where, as, a, as an analyst, I can start to get critical. But if you find a different way to lose, that's a job well done. In the long run, that's going to pay off. You're going to win matches. You're going to have a better career if you're doing th those things. So I credit both players for that. Um, unfortunately, like the balance for Medvedev 
at least in this match, and, and it was close through two sets, and there were positive things, I, I do think it wasn't a tactical change that just meant unbridled success for Medvedev, clearly. The the second thing that really stood out to me in the match was uh, was Sinner's backhand. Uh, it reached levels in this third set that I did not know were possible. Not that I don't hold Sinner's backhand in the highest esteem. I do. I truly do. I think offensively, it's maybe the best two-hander out there, him and, him and Zverev's, offensively. Um, but I, I did not know that what Sinner did against Medvedev down the stretch of this match, I didn't even know it was possible. Where he was creating backhand finishes from neutral on a regular basis. It's one thing to do it one or two times, and yeah, you know, it's just, it's a rare point outcome, but, you know, if, if you can find a couple, that's great, cool, but for him to do it regularly is not something I thought was possible. He went on a streak in the third set from 40-30, 3-1, where he held at 40-30 with the backhand cross-court winner from behind the baseline. The next four points that Sinner won were all forced errors or winners with his backhand. That forced deuce in that game. That included a breakpoint save at add-in. And Sinner in that deuce game, extended deuce game, would go on to break. So that is a streak of five points in a row for Sinner off of backhand finishes from behind the baseline against Medvedev, an elite defender. That just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. You you know, uh, I hope that's understood, right? How, how rare it is. And, you know, take it from me, who's someone who charts point outcomes— in these big matches, every single point. Believe me, to write backhand forced error, backhand winner, backhand forced error, blah, blah, blah. To write that five times in a row against Medvedev is craziness. Uh, he did it two more times at 5-1 to close the match. So it, you know, the backhand just continued to be scorching hot. And uh, another one that stood out was at 1-2, 40 love in the first set. I talked about that 40 love game earlier where Sinner came back to break from 40 love. I talked about the Medvedev mistakes. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the backhand at 40 love that went down the line for a winner was 94 miles per hour. A 94 miles per hour two-handed backhand down the line scorched winner. So that one deserves a shout out as well. Those are the highlights, right? Those are the, oh my God, this backhand is incredible. But throughout the match, on a more regular basis, we saw a lot of control-oriented backhand down the line. A lot of pattern-changing, safe backhand down the lines. And this, to me, is the biggest reason that the head-to-head -head is flipped. The biggest thing that Sinner has done, besides... You know, the, the stuff that's going to be great against everybody, like having a better first serve and covering the court better because you have stronger legs. 
and better endurance. Besides those things, the most Medvedev-specific thing that Sinner has done was take his backhand down the line more often. It gets Medvedev moving. It gets the ball to his more attackable side. He gives up more attackable balls on his forehand. The ball sits up more. It spins more. It's uh, The depth usually isn't as good. He also It also puts the ball onto Sinner's forehand, which is his bigger side. Regardless of how much I want to praise the backhand and talk about how big the backhand is, forehand's still bigger. But the the advantage that I hadn't thought about until I saw Sinner's backhand just go god mode at the end of this match was when he's constantly hitting these control-oriented backhands down the line where he's not going, you know, uh, big pace. He's hitting to relatively safe targets. He's getting a better feel for his backhand down the line. So perhaps when it's time to actually inject point-finishing pace or going for, you know, even the more aggressive targets, when it's time to do that, maybe Sinner is going to make that on a more regular basis because he's gotten such a good feel for his backhand on the line because he's hit it so often in a more controlled manner. And this is the first match where I, I thought about that potentially being a big factor. First serve percentage is another point that I want to bring up. There was a complete malfunction of the Medvedev serve in set three. That has to be said. Uh, when Sinner broke at love one, Medvedev made just two of eight first serves. When Sinner broke at one four, Medvedev made five of 14 first serves. He missed seven in a row. He ended the game making a couple of first serves, but he missed two targets in the box. Especially the one at Deuce was barely a first serve if you look at where Medvedev's serve landed, right right at Sinner's forehand, which with not even that much pace. So the serve really went away. Uh, overall, 41% first serves in for the third set, which is bad, but 32% first serves in in the two uh, games that Sinner broke, which is hard. So that was a big factor. On the Sinner serving side of things, I also uh, wanted to talk about first serve percentage in a, in a different way. Uh, Sinner had a couple of good serving sets, in my opinion, but they were very different in the way they looked. In the first set, I think that Sinner's first serve was a, a really big key. I think it helped him a lot. It gave him a lot of cheap points. But his first serve percentage was only 51%. I don't know if Cahill and Avignozzi told Yannick, uh, serve really aggressively. Go for the lines. Go for great targets. I don't want to see you miss first serves in the box. I want you to miss them wide, right? I don't know if that was the instruction. But the way Sinner served in this first set it seemed like that was the instruction because every time he made the first serve, it seemed like he was hitting lines. He was hitting beautiful targets, giving Medvedev no chance. Um, and I can show you what that looked like graphically, especially if you look at all the serves he hit down the T on the ad side and all the serves he hit out wide on the deuce side, almost all of them 
were really, really, really close to the line. So I like that against Medvedev. Why? Because if you make only 50% of your first serves, but every time you do, it's extremely damaging. Well, on the second serve, Medvedev is not an aggressive second serve returner. So if you believe in your ability to win some baseline rallies against him, you know that he's not attacking you on the second return. Why not go after the first serve? Miss some, whatever, you know, because he's not going to hurt you on the second return. You see what I mean? So I love that strategy from Sinner. That said, it's not a strategy that he continued uh, in the third set. I think he got sick of missing first serves because he, he also made around 50%, slightly above 50% in the second set. In the third set, his serve percentage went way up. He made 76% of first serves. I can show you, though, based on the spot serving, you can see that he was not hitting the precise targets. And by the way, there's a lot less first serves because it was a 6-1 set as opposed to a 7-6 set. Um, so he he only made 16 first serves. Um, but the 16 that he did put in the box, you can see that they are not as precise. So, okay. I mean, to me, this is, this is all good. It means he's changing things. He's making adjustments. He's thinking on the court. Not that I really think that in the second set an adjustment needed to be made because he, he didn't get broken. It went to a tie break. Um, but... Right? Let me let me fact check that. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't get broken in the second set. Let's see. Uh, yeah, he didn't. He saved. He faced one break point and he saved it. So I don't think an adjustment needed to be made, but it seemed like one was made anyway. And at least he executed it and made 76% of his first serves. That'll also do. You know, there's multiple ways. I hate this saying, but I'm, I'm just going to use it because I don't have anything else. There's multiple ways to skin the cat. We have to abolish that saying. Can somebody give me another way to, to say that? Okay. A couple more points. I want to answer the question, what could Medvedev have done better to win this match besides not imploding and having a terrible serving third set? Drop shot retrieval was very rough for Medvedev. Sinner hit a lot of drop shots in this match that were very average. Like they just weren't that good. And usually Medvedev would come up there and butcher his drop shot retrieval. And he left some some points on the table there because he uh he he didn't do well retrieving the drop shot. That stood out to me. The second thing, and this is a more this is an easier fix for Medvedev. This is a more tactical fix. The drop shot retrieval is just about execution. We know that Medvedev doesn't have the best hands in the world, but I've also praised him in the past for how he's able to hit the ball hard when he gets up to the drop shot. Uh, this second thing is easier for him to change. The second return passivity starts to look bad when you don't have a baseline advantage, when you don't have a major baseline advantage. You know, Medvedev, it's one thing when he's just not going for the second return because he's like, I'm going to make each one and look, I'm better than you from the back of the court. So beat me from the baseline. I, I get that line of thinking. It starts to feel like a much bigger weakness when he's playing Djokovic, when he's playing Sinner. Anybody who can beat him from the back, you start to look at it and you're and you're thinking, 
Daniil, do something on the second return. Like, why don't you apply some pressure here instead of just starting the point? I, I think that's a fair criticism. I think that's something he can work on in the offseason. Uh, for the match, Sinner won, you know, 48% of second serve points, which, you know, it's not above 50. So it's not like Medvedev was terrible in this match on second return. But Daniil was 36% on second serve points because Sinner is actually applying pressure off of his return. My last thing, I want to end bringing it back to Sinner. Let's take a moment to appreciate Yannick Sinner handling the pressure of this moment. Let's let's not ignore that. We can't. In Italy, ATP final, semifinal. This is a big spot. And Sinner in the past, especially in his first couple Masters 1000s of his career, finals, uh, and even some semis, he, he had not handled it well. Arguably, the Wimbledon semifinal this year against Djokovic didn't handle it that well. And uh, this was a totally different story. He was so calm. There were no signs of nerves at any point. My read on this is just, look, confidence carries. Like, how could you not be confident? How could you not handle the nerves better if you're Yannick Sinner and you've won all the, the matches against, against these top players in the last couple months? Like, confidence is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And I think that was the biggest factor here. Obviously, Sinner also has that ultra-calm demeanor, that that sharp contrast to Holger Runa, who, who sometimes seems too amped up and expends too much energy in these big moments. Uh, Sinner has a different personality foundation, which is predicated around level-headedness and calmness. And yes, maybe that too serves Yannick Sinner in these moments. What a performance. He moves on to the final. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.